Welcome back to another episode of the Community Agriculture Project podcast. If you're new here, the Community Agriculture Project is an accessible and interactive resource directory to connect people with their local agriculture-related resources. We document and provide insight into local agriculture landscapes and sovereignty-based projects. And today, I'm really excited to be here with some of my good friends, and we are going to be talking about the different experiences that people have had in the food system. And in this case, we're going to be comparing and contrasting them. And we are talking to two siblings, family vibes, okay? And I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Uh, I guess we could start with Vivian. Sure. Um, thank you for having me, Emily. Uh, super excited to be talking with you today um, and with Dorothy. Um, so yeah, I guess I'll start with, I recently graduated, if you could say recent still, um, in May 2022 from Rutgers. Um, and when I first entered college, I had started as a nutrition major. Um, and I would say, you know, I was really interested in food and like, I love to cook, um, just playing with different cuisines was really fun for me. Um, but I definitely would say my first experiences with really diving into sustainability was through Dorothy um, and their friends at Rutgers. Um, I call Dorothy Gaw, so I'm just going to say that on here too. It just feels more natural. Um, but Gaw had started like a compost club, and I'm sure they'll talk about it later um, at Rutgers. But that was something that was really, um, I guess, uh, it was a big part of my freshman year um, and a big community part for me at Rutgers. Um, and so through a lot of different clubs, actually, like the compost club, um, Rutgers Outdoors Club, uh, what else? Students for Environmental Awareness, and honestly, the Climbing Club at Rutgers too. I feel like all four of those really shaped my journey throughout college. Um, and, you know, how I transitioned from nutrition uh, into eventually agriculture and food systems really came about during COVID. Um, I want to say, like, COVID had uh, interrupted my sophomore year into junior year. And I, w I remember reading a lot of articles and I came across this one that was talking about um, basically on the farming uh, production side, how so much food waste um, or how much food was going to waste or loss um, on the farms. Uh, like so many onions were being grown, but because everything had shut down from restaurants to hotels to schools, there was nowhere to bring all this extra food that was being grown. Um, and I remember reading this and being like, that's crazy because on the other side, there's also a lot of articles coming up about different food pantries that were lines and lines down the block with people that were starving um, during COVID. And I'm like, this is crazy how there's such a ironic twist about like so much food is being wasted, but so many more people are becoming hungry um, because of the pandemic pandemic itself. And so that really 
led me to think more about like, oh, I want to learn more about the food system and I want to um, one, even learn how to grow my own produce because I didn't have a green thumb and I, I still would say I'm, I'm still learning how to. Um, but yeah, that really brought me into looking more into the agriculture school at Rutgers. And um, even during COVID, it was just like, you know, I really wanted to get outside more and I, I was stuck at home. So I was looking for opportunities um, and one came up at the Rutgers student farm. And that's where I started my farming journey um, as a student intern during COVID with um, three other amazing uh, students at Rutgers. And that was a really foundational um, piece of learning how to grow food and you know, doing it for CSA and for donations and kind of bridging that um, gap of like the food system with um, communities and stuff like that. So that was, you know, just how I started in food systems and ag originally. Amazing. And what was the first thing that you grew at the student farm? Like, do you remember your first, your gateway plan? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I would say <clears throat> I joined around June um, and so I had missed, you know, like seeding spring crops. But I remember I like a, a crop that I remember harvesting that was so much fun for me was carrots. Um, <clears throat> I remember like using that like fork and just rocking it back and forth and having so much fun, like stomping on it. Um, and then we would have like wheelbarrows going and like an assembly line, just picking up carrots, shaking them out, throwing them onto the wheelbarrow and then into the workmen. Um, and it was just so much fun too, because on really hot days when we would like clean them off with the hose, all the water mist would be hitting us. Um, and so those were uh, probably my favorite days, like the carrot processing days, because I would take off my shoes too and just like run around in the mud. <laughs> um, and it's funny because if you ask them, like, they were probably like, yeah, like, that was the craziest we've seen Vivian on the farm. Like, <laughs> I would go, I'd have so much fun. So, yeah. I love that. That's so pleasant. Amazing. Okay. Dorothy, can you introduce yourself to the people? And also, yeah, talk about your experience. Okay. Yeah. Um, so thanks for having us here, Emily. This is great. And to be honest, I don't think Fee and I have really like formally talked about like our experiences in the food system together. Um, so this is I think this is a really cool like experience and opportunity. So thanks for like joining us. Um, yeah. And we've always talked about like or joked like oh we get, like gonna open up a restaurant or like farm together stuff like that but I feel like we've um like gone in parallel paths and like sometimes they'll intersect um where like Fee will show me like a cool farm or like Fee will come to visit me on the farm or something like that um so yeah it's it's cool to like join our experiences together on the top of it but yeah so to begin I guess like I yeah I do I remember talking to Fee about um just like what I was learning in school and just about food in general and talking to my family about it and kind of 
not really getting that much interest or whatever but um i remember like fee like having conversation with fee and just being like you should like really think more about this like read some more stuff like i think it's really cool um so it is kind of cool that that had an impact on me fee um but and also yeah. to to briefly interject like i remember when i started composting and i would drop my compost off to you like with the club with the compost club at ruckers so when you said that earlier i was like oh yeah i have like i have that shared experience as well so that's cool but anyway continue um yeah so i have like a funny story to share from my childhood but like i really didn't start thinking about like food systems food and how they're grown until i went to college um it was just from eating at my dining halls and seeing like at our dining hall at Rutgers we have like that conveyor belt where you can just put all your food and like it just goes away um if you don't finish it or if you do and i would see so many people just putting full plates of the food on the conveyor belt and i was so shocked i was like how are people wasting this much food like what happens to this food um look at all this food that's being made like i just like made me think a lot just by eating in our dining halls um and it would get me kind of mad that i didn't know where it's going like a lot of people were wasting food and like all this stuff so i just like this is like my freshman year sophomore like going into the second semester like in january um I started asking around like oh is there any clubs or stuff that like talk about food waste or um just like bring more awareness or I don't I don't even remember honestly now um but a lot of people told like a lot of professors pointed me to this one professor who's um now the dean of like I uh, dean of something sorry yes. um, <laughs> dean Laura Lawson love her yeah, she was. Oh wait, so, what's her name? The, dean Laura Lawson. She's the dean of like Laura students. Um, but she was initially the head of like landscape architecture, I think. Um, mm. And she supported me the whole way through. Through she was the one who was like, no, like a lot of students have talked to me about like all this food waste and composting and all that stuff, but you should be the one to start a club. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like I don't know how to do that. Um, but I was like, okay, yeah, I guess I'll do that because I felt very passionate about it. So I did um, just like post it on all the. Um, oh, now I'm going into the nitty gritty, but <laughs> getting this whole club started, um, a lot of people just joined in, and a lot of people who were interested in food waste and composting. Um, so just by talking with other people about their stories and their experiences, we all were able to learn more about the food system and our own history and relationship with food um and yeah that's just like how at least my now how i think about food is influenced by um and yeah after that i was majoring in biotech before but then i switched to ecology and then through ecology i was able to take some other courses in agriculture and through that, I was like, oh, I, I'm very interested in agriculture as a career. So after um, after graduation, I 
I just had no clue what I was doing. Um, but I did an AmeriCorps thing in um, community outreach for recycling in New York City. And then after that whole stint, I was like, oh, I really want to have more experience on a farm. Because my only experience had been visiting farms, talking to farmers, like never actually um, working. Maybe like some volunteer days here and there. Mostly on community gardens too. Um, mm -hmm. So I applied. This was, yeah, during, this was September 2020. So middle of covid i applied to a bunch of farms in new york new jersey everyone wanted a year of experience um which ha like i just didn't have and i applied to one farm in massachusetts and they were the only ones to um interview me and then give me a job so i was like i guess i'm moving to massachusetts um kind of did it without thinking but it was a great experience in the end Overall, um, I met really great people and like was able to connect with other people who cared a lot about food. Um, but yeah, I could talk more about my experience later. But after after working on the farm for over a year, I switched to um, working as a line cook for uh, seven months. And then after seven months, I moved back to Jersey um and was looking for kitchen jobs around here um finally settled in this one um wholesale bakery cooking company and have been working there since uh november of last year and also was working part-time at this farm in south jersey which was two hours away from me um but now kind of stopped working there because um, the commute was a lot, but I could talk about that a little bit later. But yeah, so a lot of experiences in kitchens and farms and talking to people in their community spaces, which is cool. I love that. It's, yeah, I, I think that we're going to dive into like more of the details of both of your guys' experience. Um, just like the individual experience, individual experiences and like what led from one to the next kind of thing I think would be interesting to look at um but I love how you've really touched so many different parts of the food system like especially between the two of you you really cover so many different aspects of the food system like the the circular like closing the loop on waste and looking at composting and actually like working in kitchens and producing food and like seeing how food is grown and kind of doing that more um I guess in Vivian's case with the job that you have now I kind of I'll have you talk more about it but the way that I perceive your job now is more of like an intangible or like it's tangible but relatively more intangible of like doing this this work in a food system that is just at a larger scale as compared to like a smaller scale and i always find that the smaller scales like the community like literally the community agriculture and the community um i guess initiatives community gardens and all that it's just like it's something so tangible that we can connect to that's like close to us in our neighborhoods like a, a great place that we can start you know start a relationship or start building from a grassroots level you know um so yeah i i would love for you to both dive into 
some work experiences, like your current work experiences, and also other ones that have felt really formative for you. And just like in those kind of reflections, um, yeah, what I always ask people, like, how how does your community influence your work and how does your work influence your community, you know? So, yeah, that's a lot to say all at once, but um, yeah, I guess I guess we can start with what were some of those formative work experiences and how did they lead you to where you are now? Yeah, I guess I can, um, I can go with that one first. Um, so, I guess continuing that like momentum with working at the student farm and having experience with um, the compost club and um, just being now in the agricultural school at Rutgers. I, I, my senior year at school, we had all gone back um, and, you know, I was living in a house with friends um, and I had like three different jobs maybe of like three and a half kind of jobs at the same time, um, working part-time at all of them. Um, one of them was a, a mushroom farm called Noble Mushrooms right near um, New Brunswick. And then the, another one was D um, Duchess Farms in South Brunswick, which was a um, cut flower farm. And then uh, another one was just like a dog walking gig that I, I had a lot of fun doing. but. Um, through those like different niche crops, I feel like I learned a lot and I, I like for one, um, during COVID, I got really into foraging and I was like, oh, this is such a really like cool, um, food group, <laughs> fungi. Like I never really knew, um, much about until I one day just found one that looked like oyster mushrooms and it was and I took the chance and I remember watching like Black Forager on Instagram and I was like oh this is totally uh oyster mushrooms let me feed it to my whole family <laughs> and that was really convincing and it turned out totally okay and delicious but <laughs> as we continued uh as I continued learning and I'm like okay I'm really glad that turned out to be um, an oyster mushroom and not like angel wings or something. But <clears throat> yes. um, yeah, so that started my mushroom interest and led me to looking at mushroom farms in New Brunswick. And so I reached out to Aisha at Noble Mushrooms and that was just a really great experience, but actually was more of like a construction work experience for me than like a mushroom. Like I was surrounded by mushrooms and mushroom blocks. Um, but I also gained a lot of experience using like a power drill and power tools and stuff like that to build shelvings um, for their mushroom blocks that they provide for farms. And uh, crazy enough that led to like my flower farm job because she saw that I was very handy and I ended up building her a compost bin, which I learned from Dorothy and the club. Um, so I feel like those were two small scale, um, basically organic, now Noble Mushrooms is organic, but they all used organic farming practices and regenerative practices that um, really taught me a lot. And I, I personally really loved the experience of working with a small scale farm because as they were learning, I was learning and it felt like 
um, like Candace was so uh, at Duchess Farm, she was so like interested in trying new things and uh, never hesitated with like just being like, oh, let's try it this way. And I'm like, are you sure? Like, are we going to lose the whole crop? And and she was um, very, you know, great at trying new things. And that was something that I learned and kind of uh, led to me being like, oh, yes, sometimes you have to take risks in order to get um, a bigger reward in your crop. Um, and that's just how you learn too. Uh, but yeah, those two were very instrumental pieces to my ag experience. Um, and then after school, I had went into more of like a culinary route. And then I realized like really quickly, culinary is more of like a hobby for me, maybe not a job. And so, you know, the job process after that wasn't easy. Um, it was a couple months where I was looking for something and I, w I realized like, I, I kind of crave that feeling of stability in terms of financial things. And I was always really resistant to a nine to five um, until I was like, okay, maybe I should try it. And, you know, don't knock it until you try it kind of thing. Um, and it's not for everyone for sure. But then I came across World Wildlife Fund. Um, and so that's the organization, uh, nonprofit I work for right now. Um, and I, I really love the organization and the community itself. Um, and, you know, I think it's totally different from what I've done in the past where I was doing a lot of physical labor before, um, always being outside using my hands. Um, and I loved it, you know. And then, so it was a huge contrast going to online work, working from home, um, nine to five kind of thing, sitting on a desk. Um, so it was very challenging at first, but I think it made it a hundred times better that I really loved the community aspect of the organization I was part of. Um, and I really got to see from like the local side of working within the New Brunswick community and now working at WWF on the markets team, more of the global food system and how that works. And it's, it's very complicated <laughs> but um we can go into that a That's little so bit good. more and break it down but you know i had no idea like what went into um everything that comes to like our doorstep um or like our grocery stores like the apple that we see on the table i'm like that came a long way and like i knew that but i didn't really know you know <laughs> yeah um i think so like every before I eat, like when I pray over my food, I try to think about where, like literally every hand that my food touch. And I'm just like, yo, this mango is like from Mexico. And like, I don't know, even just these days when I am in a grocery store, I'm just like, the idea of a grocery store is so wild to me. The fact that we just have all of these things accessible to us i mean it's it's actually a privilege to even have a grocery store around you but when yeah when i'm in a grocery store and i'm actually present in that space i'm like wow all this food came from all these different places and it's just here you know and of course you need money or access to get it but just the concept from thinking about us as people when we used to be hunter gatherers versus now that we can make our way to a grocery store. 
is wild to me. So I always try to think about the whole pathway of the food. Um, but yeah, if you don't mind sharing, like, what is your position with the WWF actually? Yeah, so currently I am a program associate um, within the markets team. And um, when I first saw the job description, I didn't actually understand <laughs> until I was like six months into the job what I was doing. Um, but now, you know, I've been here for 10 months. Um, and wow. I know it's crazy. I'm like, oh, it's almost been a year. Um, really flew by. But I work a lot with the supply chain of um, certain food commodities, uh, specifically beef, soy, and leather in the countries Brazil, Paraguay, and Argentina. Um, and so it's really interesting because, you know, I work with um, a lot of WWF country offices and, you know, we're like a national organization, nonprofit. And so um, I work with a lot of uh, country offices and consultants around like mainly majority in South America but also like in Asia as well um, so it's really you know fun and, and cool to connect with people from different cultures and backgrounds and um, trying to get over like language barriers and stuff is always a challenge um, but I think it's fascinating learning about the food system in terms of sustainability and you know the work that I, I work on is trying to convince not only they call them downstream companies but that could mean like you know any of the fashion car brands that use leather it could be um you know the the apple companies in our grocery stores um or are the soy companies like house foods that make tofu products or something like that. Those are considered downstream companies. And so it's about like partnering with diff like some of these different downstream companies and convincing them why they should be deforestation and conversion free. And so they call that DCF. Um, and so, you know, that work is not easy and it takes a long time, but as a nonprofit, we, um, get a lot of funding from our donors and we are grant-based um so you know with that work we have to do a lot of reporting to our donors every year um making sure that we're meeting like these targets and these goals that we set um at the start and so a lot of the work I do is making sure that all of the components, including like the consultants and the offices, we're collecting those that information that they are working on with these companies in Brazil, Paraguay, Argentina, um, and making sure we collect them and formulate them into, um, you know, ways that we can present it to our donor and say, this is what's working, this is what's not. And um, it's, it's really crucial uh, because we have to show that we're making progress in order to get more funding. Um, and it's, it's interesting because not only do you have to work with companies when it comes to sustainability, but you also have to look at like players, like financial institutions, because they are more like they provide the funds to a lot of these companies. Um, and we have to convince them, you know, 
join this mission to want to be deforestation free. Um, you know, and you have to look at so many of those players within su the supply chain to actually see change. Um, it's not just the consumers. It's not just producers. It's not just, um, you know, the, the banks. It's everybody um, that need to, like, kind of join that mission um, to make a, a real difference. So, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, thank you for laying that out. Um, it's... And so it's interesting that you say, because yeah, what what is your experience or perception of community, you know, in relation to food? And how do you think that's shifted from your, you know, OG experiences in New Brunswick to now? Yeah, I've been pondering that, um, and also, just another thing that I find interesting and, like, we're going to have an episode, actually, of the podcast in the future just laying out all different types of community frameworks because community is such a broad stroke term in a lot of ways and it, it can mean so many things. So, like, one thing that I think about with community, it's, like, y'all are in community with each other. Like, your family is a version of a community, you know? Like we're in community with each other like we're we are friends that have similar passions and missions you know um and like you mentioned before like you have a work community and that's like all you know people with a similar mission um and kind of just like you hold each other up as as you try and do this work so I don't know. Yeah, I guess if you have any reflections on it, but it is also such a big thing to reflect on, you know? Yeah, I'll, I guess I'll touch on it briefly because you, you basically said it. Um, I definitely find it more challenging to find or to remember on the day to day, like, why are we doing this work, you know? Um, because I, I work a lot on the computer and I'm looking at like all these documents and these deliverables and stuff um and so it's it's hard to remember sometimes like that there's people behind these words um but I think what's inspiring is continuing continuously learning from um my colleagues and what they're working on and, and reading up on all the different reports and stuff that they've been public publishing um because a lot of work goes behind them and um I think really connecting it back to the communities that we work in. Um, I think WWF has put like more, more presence in terms of making sure there's safeguards for those communities that we do work in. Um, and I'm really glad like this is a newer thing that they've put in place because of course, like we don't as a, like, WWF, we're a brand, you know, we don't want to go into a community and be like, we know what you don't. And I think that's like, just like colonizing. Um, and so, you know, they really tried to train us in how to um, be respectful for these communities and stuff and um, how to listen to what their needs are first before we even come in and say like what we believe should happen um, to 
protect these environments and stuff. Um, but like you mentioned community within the workplace as well. I think that's something that was a huge draw to WWF. Um, everyone has been extremely welcoming. Spent, like even on my first day, I was overwhelmed with how many people had reached out and I was like, I just started, this is day one, I don't know you. <laughs> um, and I think the work culture that I really love about um, my company is that they have employee resource groups that are specific to a, a specific internet uh, intersectional identity. Um, there's a group called Apex, which is the Asian Pacific Islander group. Um, there's Sable, which is for Black communities. There is um, a young conservationist group, an older conservationist, more wise group, um, a mental health um, and disability group. And I feel I've joined like so many of these groups and I feel like I've found a lot of community um, within WWF that doesn't just talk about work it's more of like okay how can we connect on life things as well um and you mentioned family community and i think you know something that uh ga and i have done uh, and and kind of taught i guess my family is um how to compost and that's something that we do on a regular now and so um I really liked how you put that as like family community because I feel like as a family unit, we've really come a long way in terms of sustainability. Um, just for example, my mom will like yell at us if we leave the light on when we exit the room or, or something like that. And, um, you know, she will always be like, Dorothy taught me this. <laughs> and it's so funny because we're like, mom, why didn't you flush the toilet? <laughs> And she's like, I'm conserving water. Dorothy taught me this. <laughs> it's so funny. That is so funny. <laughs> I like, love that. And for this, like, I, I don't even know. I don't remember any of this. I guess I just like talk a lot about things. And then she took it to heart. <laughs> Unintentional. It's actually just a really interesting topic. And I, I like that we... I love interviewing y'all because you are family and the fact that we can touch on this because I have gone and talked to my own family about a lot of these topics too. Like just personally, I remember because my dad has kind of worked adjacent to food systems for a little bit and um, more on like the health side. And I used to always just like have these really, like fr from my point of view, I was always frustrated about food and there was just like, so much that I didn't understand about the food system. And that was kind of like the start of our conversations in the home was really like from a health perspective, um, like health and wellness. And then I kind of just like went off on my own and like learned all this stuff and brought it back to my family. And I'm like, here's what I'm learning. Like, here's what's going on. Here's like information from somebody that just like steeped themselves in all of this. And kind of bridging that gap with your family and seeing like the way that they perceive what you're sharing with them and like the takeaways that they have and like trying to find ways to like adapt and move forward based on like what we're learning in the in our own communities that we're in whether it's in that college and academic environment or like literally all the different places that like me and both of y'all have been since like in college and since college like just 
learning so much more of like ways of being you know and like ways of being sustainable and ways of yeah just eating and living and all of it so it's funny to talk about and yeah i i think that maybe people listening might just like resonate or have some more reflections of like how to bridge those gaps with their own family but yeah thank you for sharing like there's actually it sounds like you are very aware of like all the different communities that you can not only lean on but like grow with so that sounds really beautiful and yeah Dorothy I'd love to hear what you have to say But yeah, talking like just a note on like fee finding so many different groups in WWF is like that was really surprising to me because um, I always was like, oh, corporate offices never care about their employees. Like they're always just trying to make money. But it's nice to hear that she has a support system at work um, and people who like are humanized and care about each other for the most part. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I would love to hear like about some of the experiences that were really formative for you. Um, some of your work experiences in the food system that were super formative for you. Like in which environments did you learn certain lessons that you really kept with you on your journey? Um, and then the follow-up question to that is how has your work influenced the communities that you've been in and how as your community influenced your work. Okay, cool. Um, so just some like highlights, I guess, or yeah, formative experiences, at least uh, in college while joint, like doing the compost club and everything, just like meeting everyone who's involved and who's still in support or who are against it. Um, and just like being looked down upon as a college student from dining services or just other people who just like they thought like oh it's just like some students trying to like make a ruckus um they're not gonna do anything uh that would like power me even more and like i would get the whole group amped up like look at what they're trying to do like they don't even come to these meetings with notebooks they're just here like thinking we're here to complain um but we actually care I think that just having to deal with university bureaucracy was uh, pretty insightful because now I I know what it's kind of like um, and I know that it like, kind of fuels me if people, whenever anyone says no to me and like, I think strongly about something, I'm like, okay, then let's go, it's, it's on. Yeah, that was another cool way to connect with other people who may not be involved in food systems like i remember i was meeting people like in engineering or like comp side like just like people who like i wouldn't really talk to and they're all just like oh we would all be talking about like waste management or um 
just like university, like how to like go through people and like try to be persuasive or just let them hear what you're trying to say. Building a group of people who support or just learn more about different skills and stuff from each other. So that was really cool. Um, and I think at least Rutgers was a really, for the most part, welcoming <laughs> uh, pe- like community. So like if you had an idea and um, you were open enough to like share it with other people, then a lot of students would also come in like with support, maybe some professors too. So that was really cool. And also like not, I would, I wasn't doing anything like to be recognized, but like actually getting awareness and like, and being recognized for things that I thought were important and all of my, like everyone else in the club felt were important was really validating. So that was really cool. And like being able to validate other people in their skills and knowledge sets um, was a cool way to use any power that I had to build other people up. Um, Yeah, so that was college. In workplace, doing the community outreach in New York City, that um, I grew really close um, with my coworker who I worked every day with. And we're just walking the streets in all five boroughs, passing out flyers, tabling, um, hosting community events. That was really cool because I've never done something like that before at least so often we were doing something every day if not like just standing outside subway stations um talking to people so through that got to meet like so many different people and got to talk to a lot of different community centers and learn about what each community and neighborhood and borough had their differences in and similarities and yeah we got to eat a lot of food in different boroughs (laughs) which was really cool um, so that was a highlight and a really Queens big... is the best food, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> or what do oh, you yeah. think? Well, we did some outreach in Queens, but a lot of the times we were in central Brooklyn, central mm-hmm. north, and got to eat a lot of good food. I can't remember the town, like the neighborhood names like, out off the top of my head. Yeah, really good, pretty good food. And yes, the Caribbean food is it. So good, and I've never really had it before. So that was like a that was a new experience for me too, and no would not have been able to do that unless I stepped, like did this job and like, like we had to do outreach in other neighborhoods. That was cool. Mm-hmm. I love the um, global elements coming. Yeah, yeah, and also just yeah, meeting all the different types of people out there. Like you get you grow your compassionate empathy side and um just sharing those stories are real i think are really important um to be able to understand why people do the things they do or just like have like share your ideas and like come up with different things with people so that was really important and and learning how to communicate with people mm. to work to get home um like they have kids in their hands like stuff like that so I think those are really important things to think about and know. Uh, moving to a whole other city, state where I knew no one in the middle of COVID, that was a huge learning experience for me where I was able to learn more about myself, learn how I build my community, um, or at least some sense of it. And during that time, a lot of um, mutual aid groups and 
like buy nothing groups are becoming more popular on Facebook online um, and that's how I was able to virtually connect with people in my neighborhood I would go on a lot of walks see what was out there so and by like trading things that we all had either either if it was like an air fryer or like a rod to hang up curtains just like make the like the room that I lived in uh, acceptable or like comfortable that was really cool to just be able to meet people like talk to people that through that way and be able to share our resources without having any money transactions like it was just pure what we had like we didn't need it or um if people wanted to try out like a new kitchen appliance i i refer to that story because there was this one person who we ended up trading a lot of kitchen appliances because we both like like to cook and it was just that was a cool thing to do with a neighbor can i just int- say something this is in new jersey but dorothy had walked 10 miles for a blender from the buy nothing group and i just Wait. remember <laughs> coming home and being like like i just walked 10 miles to pick up a blender <laughs> and i was like wait what? <laughs> Well, there were other reasons why I did that. Um, On the way, that was, yeah, that was in Jersey, but that was when I first started this this job that I'm working at right now. And I was like, oh, it's kind of like the same route as driving to work. Let me see if the route is bikeable, walkable, like skatable, anything. So that's why I did that also. I knew it was 10 miles and yeah, it was, I don't know. It was a lot. It was a lot. I will admit. I just remember thinking, I have so like, many questions. Hours, where's Dorothy? <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone was home so at the time, so I was like, oh, I have nothing else to do. Um, I love it. Okay, yeah, but also, so yeah, building community through, like, usual aid groups and buy nothing groups. But then also, when I worked on the farm, this farm had so much abundance, so much surplus that they did nothing with. It was just really unfortunate, like, the farm owner didn't really like calling the gleaners. Like, there's a specific group in Boston for people to, like, harvest vegetables that we couldn't get to. It was just really weird, so whenever I got a chance, I would collect the giant zucchini or just, like, the nicked squash um, that we couldn't put in CSA boxes. Um, and I would bring that home and then just like set it outside my apartment on the on the sidewalk and just put aside like free vegetables like translated in Chinese and Spanish and by the next day like literally the box would be half empty by the next day what after I came home from work it was empty so that was really cool to be able to share the abundance that way and right outside my door too so that gave me like a sense of fulfillment seeing the vegetables not being able to not going to waste um but yeah that that was like kind of a frustrating thing to deal with while working on that farm and that was among another a number of things so yeah that whole farm experience that first farm experience was very formative and I learned a lot about how some farms no matter like how quote-unquote sustainable they seem or like how much they seem to care there's a lot that yeah it's complicated and like not all things can be done to like make you as sustainable as possible which is why it's important to have people who have different strengths and who can spearhead different projects and 
why it's important to collaborate and communicate with each other because if you're not using the people who work for you as a resource then why even hire like capable really passionate people to work for you so i saw that i couldn't as, agree more yeah i that was like a, yeah learned a lot about how yeah some people like romanticize farming i told i totally did um, i still do and i think that for me it's healthy to do that because that's the only way i see it as like a a future i want to be able to see enjoyment and like growth and community with it i don't want it to be like always in my mind as this grueling horrible thing that you just have to get vegetables out to send to people which i don't think most farmers do like even if they um romanticize it but i know it is hard but for me romanticizing it helps so that i can be like oh this is why i think this is important this is why i enjoy it and like learning from other people who also care about it too is important to me yeah. i think there's definitely like farming is really hard especially at different like scales larger scales and that's why i'm really glad that we're highlighting like all these different aspects of like food system even just starting from a student farm a community garden like actually up to having that full experience because yeah the farmers that i know that are working at scale and like feeding a significant amount of people in their community like it is really hard work for them and i think that there's still these moments that they have that they're like wow like when i see the joy that somebody gets out of the like having the best green bean ever or like having this product or this vegetable or this produce being so good and like really changing like and affecting them it makes it worth it in a lot of ways and i think that if we're not kind of creating this space for ourselves where we still can romanticize and still can like feel that lightness and around our food then we can't really be open to that joy and like being able to connect with somebody that's in your community that's like actually really willing to open up um their own personal relation with food Like I remember one of the first um farmers that I ever interviewed. Uh their name is Michaela and they pretty much like they are so badass and they're doing so much on this farm in uh in Trinidad, Colorado. It's like in southern Colorado. It's called Fugino Farm and I remember when I was interviewing her and she just had so many stories like that like where she saw somebody like see a new ingredient and just like have it spark something in them or like have somebody come to their farm and like literally see a chicken IRL like for the first time and be like oh shit like that's where eggs come from you know <laughs> and like it's just crazy and it really is about striking that balance of like yeah this is hard work and like it's you know you're working with the elements and like this is real and there's a lot that's not guaranteed and there's a lot that you can't predict but like at the same time you know what is sovereignty like we have to be connected to to this work and like still have our hearts in it so i appreciate you saying that yeah no absolutely yeah my first i had a lot of first vegetable experiences on that farm because 
a lot of my eating experiences have only been limited to like Asian vegetables. Um, so that was really cool to learn, honestly. And yeah, the second farm that I worked on, I chose specifically because she specialized in Asian vegetables. And there again, there were so many vegetables that I had never heard of, never seen. Um, so I was, that was really amazing to be able to try. And like they ran a whole different operation with way less people. Both farms were 60, 70 acres. Um, so Whoa. it was just really, I know, like big operations, <laughs> but it's just wild um, how the second farm was able to process work so many, so, like just work differently so that they didn't, I mean, they need a lot of workers, but uh, they were able to get all of the stuff done with very like skeleton bare bones staff so i don't know you gotta strike that balance too of like taking care of yourself like being able to yeah what are the limits to your daily exertions um but yeah now i definitely gain inspiration from like learning more about uh cooking i guess through like what my family's eaten in the past, my parents, I mean, what their parents made for them. And my influence from my community has like totally shaped how I cook, what I cook, things I'll try and like cookbooks I'll read, which I think that's really helpful for me. Yeah, how I am influence my immediate family right now is just like by cooking dinner every day, which yeah, sometimes is pretty uh, exhausting after like working overall I always do enjoy it because that's what comes not easy to me but like it's easier for me to just like cook up a meal faster than if like anyone else in my family had to like sit down think about because I'm already thinking about what we're eating like the next day <laughs> I think yeah I feel like a lot of people always are thinking about food and what, what they're gonna eat next so since I'm already doing it. Me, that's just... me. Yeah, <laughs> that's no, what literally. I see here because I feel like that's me all day. I'm just like, I'm cooking <laughs> and I'm thinking about the next thing I want to cook. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's really important to also share a meal with other people if you can, um, if you want to. Yeah, I think that's important. Yeah, for sure. That's amazing. Thank you so much for those reflections. Mm -hmm. Of course. So what's coming in the future? Like what what's a dream that let's talk about dreams. Why not? I just want to comment mm -hmm. on something. Yeah, something God had said, like you have worked on like farms where it's like 60, 70 acres and that still to this day amazes me and I'm like wow I think the most I've ever worked on was five <laughs> and like I for me that was really kind of sometimes backbreaking work um and so that's honestly something that kind of like I really love those experiences but um in a way pushed me away from farming like for a career type thing but of course that's in a way like traditional farming mindset <clears throat> but I think it's something that we haven't really talked about is like there's so many other methods of farming that might not 
just be outside. Like there's aquaponics, there's hydroponics, aeroponics, all these things. Um, and something that's like interesting to me and like that I would think possibly in the future is working in those areas where it's like indoor farming or having to deal with like space issues in um, New York City and like rooftop farming and and all those things. And that's something that I'm I'm always uh, now thinking about, like working with um, an organization that really plays with a lot of like worldly issues and something that comes to mind is uh, and I want to learn more about um, I was just attending climate week in New York City this week and there was this one panel they were talking about why we should support seaweed farming um, and I was like wow I really never really thought about seaweed farming like of course it's coming from a Chinese background it's something that we always ate um, but I never thought about where it came from um, but you know they were mentioning how the west coast is trying to catch up with east coast um, practices and how they are now trying to pilot programs where Maine lobstermen um, are using seaweed farming as a like type of farming they do on the off season and how sometimes it even mm. generates more income than their actual crop like product um lobster and so that was really interesting to me and like the the value of seaweed is so vast like it could it's really nutrient nutrient dense it's um it could be used for human food animal feed and it also like having seaweed farms would capture so much of our carbon in our air which is like you know carbon sequestration which is crazy it's like we have a whole forest under the water not just on land as well and it also creates like biomes for fish um and all this other marine life so it's a really like interesting idea of how farming can also be in so many different forms and like i think that really learning about these other methods of farming has really like made me motivated again to learn more about agriculture um because for a little bit i was just thinking of traditional farming i'm not gonna lie that scared me a little because i was like i don't know if my body can take that for the rest of my life you know so it's definitely interesting yeah i appreciate you bringing that up i really have made a point to incorporate seaweed into my diet over the past couple years a lot more just because it's just like so micronutrient dense and I feel like I could just get a scoop of sea moss in the morning like I am on top of the world <laughs> and it's amazing and yeah there really are a lot of systems at work I'm definitely um, working close to William Padilla Brown of Mycosymbiotics like I've seen he actually has a book out um, called Practical Phycology and that talks a lot about just like different algae farming and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, it's it's so interesting our you know the our relation to food and all the different expressions that it can have in agriculture and farming is is so cool to think about. Dang, I didn't know you were gonna talk all about seaweed. <laughs> But yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, I guess 
I'll talk about my hopes and dreams for the future. Um, yeah, I think as I've grown and like learned a lot more of like the dreams just keep getting bigger and broader. Um, and I, that makes sense for my person. I'm like very much an idealist. Like I always think like you can try so many different things. Um, and now as I'm getting older, I'm like, oh, like you don't have to do everything all at once. Um, which is totally fine. Yeah, I definitely gain talking about food and talking with other people about um, what we're interested in and seeing what other people are doing, whether that's in urban spaces or yeah, like out of nowhere farms um, and all the research that's being done. That's something I definitely need to learn more about just what's going on right now. But on a community level, I always keep my tabs on like what's happening in Chinatown and Manhattan and like upstate New York. I just like those are the people that I follow, I guess, on Instagram, even though I try not to go on Instagram that much. But yeah, it's always so inspiring to see what they're doing, like collabs of kitchens or wholesale farm people and then like bringing vegetables to them and like having fundraisers for people and just like, yeah, uplifting everyone and like sharing our resources i think that's so important um and key to be able to just like keep us all happy not keep us all happy i don't know just yeah just to create this circular economy keep that supported keep us supported and we're all using our strengths like yeah it's cool to like learn different things and like we're not as confident in something like try something new but if we know we're good at something then like, it's cool to stick with it too um, and be supported by it but yeah I I don't know what I have in store for my life yeah right now I'm just reading a lot of books listening to podcasts listening to your podcast and like one of the podcasts that I just thought of um, that I really listened to recently is seed keeping it's about seed keeping, but it's by the um, farm True Love Farm in Pennsylvania, in Philly, Pennsylvania, um, Glendale, something like that. I don't know if you've heard of them. Um, the owners are Chris Newman and <laughs> Owen Taylor. But uh, my friend who works on a farm down in Philly invited me to a seed keeping workshop by them, and that was really inspirational. Um, so I know where like I feel very alive and happy, which is mostly outside most of the time, um, if not cooking with people or eating food. Yeah, also just like, yeah, listening to people talk about food. So I don't know. I know I'm going to like stay in some type of food, farming, kitchen stuff, but that could have so many different possibilities depending on what people are down to try. So yeah. Some sooner or later, maybe Fee and I will like open up a kitchen, or like I have this one friend. Um, we used to cook a lot together. We're always like, oh, like, let's just like make plates of food to give to people. So yeah, there's a lot of overlap in my life, which is very comforting, and I feel blessed for that. That's beautiful. It sounds like you are, both of you are just like really amazing resources, which is why I wanted to have you on here 
like from the beginning aside from the fact that you know i love having you both best friends but you're really amazing resources and have so much knowledge that it's just yeah it's super nice to just sit down and talk about it and reflect on like wow all this experience and and all these things that i read and all these things that i do on a day-to-day basis like this is so full and like this really matters you know so um yeah i guess i want to make space for any closing remarks and also um if people want to tap in with you or connect with you um how can they do that what's the best way if you're open to it oh absolutely that's my that's my jam I want to say Instagram. I can give out my handle, which is E-L-E-E-0-5. Sometimes, like, I'm on and off Instagram. Sometimes I'm, like, off of it for a whole month. So you can also email me at D-L-E-E-0-147 at gmail.com. Amazing. Um, I guess I, I do want to say, like, a, a closing remark um, or just, like, a takeaway too um just that like to reflect on what Gaw said too like I feel like we're all on this journey where we're always evolving and um I for sure also have lots of aspirations and hopes and dreams for the future but like I don't know where I'm gonna end up either like I now have this newfound um love and interest in like seascapes and um maybe even learning more about like Emily, we talked about mangroves before and just like different ways of preventing um, disasters and stuff for communities. And that's like a whole extension of this conversation. But um, I think it's it's important to keep connected with people and um, just make connections in general. I think it's really important to do that um, because you never know where they will lead to. And I feel like from where I've gone in my life, it was mainly because of those connections. And and uh, I can say that Instagram, although sometimes can be an evil uh, for me, but it also can be like a really powerful tool just to like connect and learn more about what's happening out there. Um, so yeah, uh, and speaking of Instagram, <laughs> I, I guess you can follow me on my food Instagram, which is Vivian underscore Lee Food. Um, V-I-V-I-A-N underscore L-E-E Food. Um, and so that one is an account I started um, and I want to maybe transform it in the future to evolve um, to other things in food and just like my experiences with sustainability and environment stuff. So. Um, yeah, you can definitely reach me there. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, thank you for this. This was so great. But I want to ask, Emily, what is something that you've been able to not take away, but like, yeah, what have you been able to reflect on or get inspiration from your podcast and just talking to all the types of people that you have been talking to because it's like so many different people and it's incredible how you find people you met you've met people and like been able to been able to like connect what they're doing to it's greater importance or something like that so yeah i'd love to get that 
Yeah, thank you for asking that. So I just like, I guess I'll start with saying that the Community Agriculture Project, when I began it, my intention, like for the soul of it, is to be this like open-ended research project. And I think that because I never put like bounds on it, like every single time that I meet somebody, I'm just like, okay, like you are also an extension of this project because the whole basis of it is everybody eats. Like this project was born out of the idea of we all have this shared experience of food, you know, in one way or another. And so there's a story to tell. There's so many stories to tell. And so the more that I get into doing this podcast formally, the more that I'm like, I could go down this rabbit hole for the rest of my life, you know, and I love it. It's very fun. And I think it's very important because it's important for us to hear each other's stories and experiences around food. And I think that when we kind of break down that wall, because especially like uh, in the U.S., like I feel like we have a lot of issues of just like separation from other people for one way or another, whether that's like racism or whether it's just like political views or just like all these factors that are at work. Like once you see that some, like somebody is talking about their relationship with food, you know, that's a way to break down that wall and just be like, okay, like you're human. And so now I'm more open to hearing you and hearing your story and being able to find that common ground so that we can actually like work together a little bit and move forward because somebody might hear one story and be like you know i never thought about that i never considered that i didn't even realize that that was occurring and i i didn't even realize that that might be related to the food system like i know how i could help with that or like i this makes me want to take action in a new way in my own life or in my own community so um, my favorite part is because I'm so like, I think in patterns and I think like, I think like mycelium, like I think about connections and spreading nutrients and spreading nourishment. So I just, I love having more stories unfold and how to piece them all together in a beautiful web and, and just like connect. Like, I know that at some random point in the future, like, there's going to be somebody that needs something and I'm going to have talked to somebody that can meet that need and I can like make that connection, you know? So just like having in the midst of like all the action and everything that's going on in the world, like having a mode to be able to just network in this common ground has been a huge gift. So I am grateful that I started this journey. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I'm so grateful you did too. It's cool. Thank you so much because I feel like this, even this conversation, like Goss said in the beginning, we don't really talk too much about like our separate journeys, but also they're so like intertwined in many ways. So it's cool to reflect on that as well um, as siblings. <laughs> amazing i love it thank you guys for being here like yeah you you both impacted my journey and in so many ways and now it's on the record (laughs) i know it's great 
wild. Yeah, full circle. <laughs> For sure. Well, this is another episode in the books. Thank you for tuning into the Community Agriculture Project podcast. And I'm looking forward to sharing more with you in the future. So that's all for now. <laughs>